You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. From our studio to yours, it's Various Artists with Francis and Liam. Ahi mari e, tēnā koutou katoa, ko Francis toku ingoa. Ko Liam toku ingoa, no mai haere mai ki Various Artists mō tēnei wiki. Kia ora and welcome to Various Artists. My name is Liam. And my name is Francis. We will be with you for the next hour. How are you going today, Francis? I'm good. I'm doing well. It's been a typical Auckland day of four seasons I've in had one day. Like a nice day of like leaving the house, like, oh, I'm wearing relatively like summery clothes right now. It's going to be so nice. And then mid just hanging out here before the show, I just like took off my headphones and just hear the just like pitter patter of the rain. Yeah, it's definitely raining. Very demoralizing. And we've got a bit of a musical show coming up today, actually. Yeah, we don't tend to cover music on the show since pretty much every other. Um, show on this radio station does that. Uh, but today I am speaking to Phil Elvram from Mount Airy and the Microphones about the upcoming gig at Wimmy Bar just because it's Mount Airy and the Microphones and they're amazing and I love them. <laughs> and I stay on the music tune or what would you call it? The music sound waves sound waves something like that yeah no radio puns today <laughs> and uh, i speak with jean rivers uh the auckland council arts and culture programmer who runs the stand up stand out performing arts and music regional competition for high schoolers i also speak with sally mcmath from art space aotearoa about the launch of the kit a new subscription-based artist resource and to round off the show, we will take you through the art guide for Tamaki Makoto this week. He aha ofakaro, we would love to hear your thoughts on these pieces. So, tukupatuhi mai, you can text us on 5395. Why am I Or give us a call in the studio. We are on 309 3879 and do love to hear from you. Also, after the show, koya e wari wari e ahi ana koto te fakarongoke e ne korero ano. He pakihere roki roki marunga itipai tukutuku o erirangi poho me haere ki 95BFM. You can catch all these chats and more by podcast on the 95BFM website, 95BFM.com. Shall we get into it? Yes, we can. Oh, don't suffer for your art chat. Various artists with Francis and Liam. Phil Elvram is a primary songwriter, performer and producer for Mount Airy and the Microphones. For around 27 years, Phil has been creating some of the most revered and critically acclaimed indie folk of all time. His music veers between stripped-back acoustic guitar recordings to terrifyingly loud and distorted sonic experiments. Mount Airy is currently on the verge of a return to Aotearoa, playing in Tamaki Makoto, Ponake and Otapoti with Black Belt Eagle Scout, another band from Washington State that will bring new and classic Mount Airy tunes to a new full band soundscape. I've been obsessed with the music of the microphones and Mount Airy since I was 14. I think that I had the Glow Part 2 album cover as my profile picture on Google for about four years, so suffice to say it was a real privilege to interview him. We had a yarn about the upcoming shows, his previous tours of Aotearoa, 20 years of Mount Airy and more. You're on the verge of coming back to Aotearoa for, I believe, the third time now, previously in 2018 and 2013. This time touring with Black Belt, Eagle Scout to kind of have a bit more of a full band type vibe going on. How have those rehearsals been? So fun. Yeah, it's been a while since I've played shows with the drums and distortion and stuff, and it's my favorite thing to do. It's a big switch up from like, I guess, your music across years 
has two different sides of the distorted stuff that just goes absolutely batshit, especially in the early days, as well as the more stripped back stuff that you've been doing a bit more recently under the Mount Airy moniker. Are you kind of trying to combine the two within this performance? No, not really. I'm just trying to do a new thing, mm. but also we're playing some older songs. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm always trying to reinterpret the song even if it's a song no one's heard before, I'm like reinterpreting it from my own conception of it. Yeah, I mean, you're not really touring any particular album at the moment. It's more so just kind of like a classic, just touring to see what's going on. Is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to performing? Any new material that might be coming up? Yeah, we're playing about half new songs. I'm sort of in the middle of making an album on a very slow schedule, giving myself lots of time to just explore. What have been some of the things that have been influencing your new music recently as you've been slowly tracking back into it? The last few albums I made just on a computer. That's maybe a minor detail for people, but for me it affected the experience a lot of recording. It just sounded so perfect. <laughs> I, most of my recording life has been analog and just like with the flaws of tape and the way it messes up and there's confusing things and all these limitations. So anyway, I, for these recordings I've gone back to analog. I got my reel-to-reel -reel stuff back out and set up my little studio at home in a nice workflow and it's just feeling so good. It feels like, ah, I've returned home. You mentioned that you don't think that many people would care about like the difference of analog versus digital, but I feel like for you and your history as an artist more than anyone else, I think it was a lyric in Microphones in 2020 that named the microphone stems from just me enjoying the recording audio that I use so much. Does it really feel like kind of a return to that style of the early days back in the mid to early 2000s? In a way, yeah. It feels like a return to the familiarity and simplicity of these this, these methods. Actually, I say simplicity, maybe understanding like how a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder and like an analog signal chain works is more complicated than people just plugging in to their laptop and recording with one click. But to me, there's something abstract about that that I always felt unsettled by. Something about the tangible moving parts and the mechanics of reel-to-reel -reel feels like home. It's true, I named my thing the microphones because as a teenager I was just like fully immersed in recording. That's not what I'm singing about anymore. It's, I'm not singing about gear like I was when I was 16. Do you think that having used digital production for the past few albums will influence the way that you look at analog production now? Actually no. I I used the computer treating it like a tape machine. I, I didn't do what people might think of when they hear digital production or computer production. I didn't use the computer for anything other than just documenting the signal that was coming through the microphone. I wasn't doing special effects or MIDI or auto-tune or anything like that. It's more about like my experience as I'm sitting in the room hitting record. Like, is there a screen blasting me with digital light or am I looking out the window? You know what I mean? It's more about the vibe in the room, the moment of recording. Nowadays, I would guess that more of the recording happens at home rather than in a studio. Is that preferable compared to having to go out to a different space that someone else has kind of controlled versus having your own space that you've curated and found all the different gear and devices and things that just work best for you? I've never done it any other way, actually. I have never recorded in a real recording studio. Oh, really? really. Wow. I mean, there, there were some times when I lived in Olympia where I guess it's a real recording studio, but I kind of considered it an extension of my home because I lived across the street and I was there every day. Dub Narcotics Studio, it was called. I guess the most recent release that you've had was on the collaborative album with Huge Fire. Do you think that there'll be more of that on the next record? Yeah. 
it's it's all over the place. There's some really spaced out experimental stuff that I wouldn't even call songs. There's lots of songs with drums and distortions. I like how it's turning out so far. You've really mastered concept albums in the sense of, again, Lost Wisdom, Crow Looked At Me and Now Only were very lyrically driven. Um, most of that was just you, an acoustic guitar and a drum machine versus, say, the album Mount Erie or The Glow Part 2, or even It Was Hot We Stayed In The Water, all of those, they make so much sense as a full album listen when there's so much space in between with the recurring motifs in A Glow Part 2 with a foghorn and all of those sorts of things. How do you curate the album into one big listening space, which includes the kind of more sonic experiments that are dotted in between the standard tunes that could be listened to on their own? I think maybe I'm always trying to straddle the line between having an album feel cohesive, like these things belong together, without sounding homogenous. A lot of variation. I like a lot of kind of radical juxtapositions of tones and sounds within an album, but not so much that it feels like a compilation of different bands or something, or just like, yeah, un unhinged and uncohesive. It's so intuitive the way it comes together. It's more, I think, chronological. Like I'm recording and just zeroing in on my own experience and ideas and documenting what comes up. And because it's all happening in the same period of time in my life, the thematic cohesion, it all sort of gels because, yeah, I'm thinking a lot about like the ocean these days or whatever it is. The theme emerges naturally. I think that the Glow Part 2, for example, feels more broad or something because it is broad. It's like talking about these universal things and a crow looked at me and now only and also microphones in 2020. I think of it as like my hyper-autobiographical phase of songwriting. Lost Wisdom Part 2 was actually in there in my life, it was sort of in between those things, but included in this hyper-autobiographical stuff. Those were times when I was overtly trying to just like anchor it to a microscopic place in time and I'd actually say the dates and the places and be really specific, like diary entry type stuff. Although microphones in 2020, I tried to do both where I was doing that and zooming way out back and forth in and out to create sort of a feeling that was relatable for everyone, not just me and the details of my life. I mean, the title of the album itself, Microphones in 2020, I think anything that ends with in 2020, everyone can kind of agree. It's like, yeah, there's a lot that happened there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, weirdly, I made that before the pandemic. Really? But, yeah. Shit. Do you think that the themes of that album changed at all as the pandemic hit and you had to rethink the release around that? No, I don't think so. I think it was early in 2020 before the pandemic fully kicked in. It used to be like the working title was Microphones in 2019, actually. <laughs> but I just didn't finish it in time. And it just took me a while to write it, obviously, and um, record it. So yeah, it wasn't a COVID project. The music of microphones in 2020, how about the visuals, like the photo book? I think mm -hmm. I remember you saying it was pretty much just like a real-life PowerPoint presentation of yeah. the short film of microphones in 2020. Was that made during the pandemic? Definitely, yeah. All the Once I finish the music, there's it takes a long time to, like, actually get the record out so i had whatever six months or more of making the artwork making the video making like a book i was also designing this monograph book of genevieve's art genevieve my former wife that was a big COVID indoor computer project and also i made this microphones box set so lots of 
projects happen, but um, they sort of came on the tail end of microphones in 2020. All of those more visual projects have really been a part of your work since the beginning, doing a lot of your own illustrations and visual curation. Do you find that those two processes of creating the music and creating the visuals are separate, or do you get ideas for the visuals as you start to put the music together? Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, they are separate, but definitely I sort of view all of it as the same project. You know, I love making records because the, the artwork gets to be so big on this physical thing you get to hold, making a lot of small paintings or whatever. I'm glad that records still exist as a physical thing so that they can have this visual component. I guess at some point vinyl, should stop existing because it's so bad for the earth. But uh, I would still want to make some kind of tangible thing to hold that had a, a strong visual aesthetic component because I feel like that's such a big part of listening to music for me. Like, that's how I think of music as having this visual counterpart. I mean, you've done the companion books and zine with many of your albums. Maybe just the future of it is like, I don't know, having those booklets be decomposable and just having a digital download link. But I don't know if that's a bit too Black Mirror-esque or not. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, people are trying all kinds of stuff, different ways of releasing music, putting a download code on some object, on a bowling ball, whatever. Uh, I'd like to see the yeah. bowling ball Mount Airy project. I thought about maybe like a boulder or something humongous and ungainly with a little headphone jack in it. <laughs> Although the themes and the composition styles of your music across both of the main projects has obviously changed drastically throughout the years, I still feel like the atmosphere feels quite strong in the Twin Peaks, situated in the Pacific Northwest atmosphere of just foggy forests and suburbia. Is that still something that comes to you on purpose. I remember you saying in a previous interview that I think The Glow Part 2, that sort of Lynchian Twin Peaks influence was a bit more intentional alongside the various other works that have that same vibe. Is it still intentional at all? Probably not that exact thing. I don't want to be too on the nose with referencing a TV show all the time. The atmosphere that comes out through this stuff is mostly unintentional. Well, there's a lot of intention, but it's not about like, I see this vibe and I'm going to like do these steps to manifest it. It's more like intuitively following the idea as it evolves over the course of the creative process. And it never turns out the way I think it's going to. It's always like a process of chasing the idea and never quite catching it. Oh, I heard somebody say, some artist, Joni Mitchell maybe, saying that the weakest points in the previous album are the seeds that lead to the next album. That really resonated. Like whatever ways that I failed to articulate the idea in any given project, that fuels the next thing. That makes me wanna like fix it or like elaborate on that sort of mysterious blurry part. Even with musicians here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, I feel like you kind of can't disassociate yourself from the place that you're making the album or the place that you grew up, especially if you're, you kind of only have your own spaces to draw from, no matter how desolate or there's still quite strong niche interests that even if you don't say, I don't know, the Pacific Northwest has a lot of trees and lakes or New Zealand has some really nice beaches, that still comes through in the music just because of, yeah. I, I don't know, just the soul of it, I guess. It's true, yeah, and that thing is pretty mysterious how that works. Yeah, it's something sort of unintentional and unspoken that gets communicated. I think that's cool.
I'm, I'm glad that it happens and I don't know how it works. <laughs> What's it like to have the internet be so latched onto the glow part two and also in parts a crow looked at me like so strongly mostly i'm oblivious to it because i i don't look there for that kind of stuff but it sometimes gets back to me like you saying what you're saying now and mostly i don't know I, i've gone through phases of oh man i wish they would li like the other stuff too i tried also as hard as i could on those ones but um i'm over that that grumpiness and i feel like so grateful to have any attention at all it's it's kind of absurd and amazing to me still one thing i actually forgot to talk about earlier when we were talking about the last few mount area projects was lost wisdom both part one and two and the collaboration with julie dorian and those projects is there anyone else that you think that you would like to do that style of 50-50 work with, or do you think you'd ever go back with Julia? Yeah, definitely. I want to make another record with Julie, always. We're talking about it a lot, and uh, we're going to do it. I can't think of other people. She's just, uh, there's something about singing with her. Our voices, it feels so good, and she's so amazing at harmonizing. It's something I miss when we're not doing it. Probably the most weirdly specific music question that I'm going to ask is just about the song that was both on Lost Wisdom Part 1 and Dawn with voice and headphones and the Björk sample in there, which is obviously... I don't want to say obviously when I'm talking to you, but I think that it's fucking fantastic. Like, would you ever bring that further into music in the future? Because it was like, I don't know, it was just really interestingly done in both versions of that song. Thanks. Uh, I don't think of it as a sample because we just sang it. Maybe, what's the musical term for that? Homage. Interpolation, uh -huh. I think. Yeah, interpolation. Um, I liked putting little references like that to other music. I think that that is kind of a beautiful thing about how music works. Lots of art forms do this, but especially music where it's inter-referential. People do little musical trippers treats, I'd call them. This time, about 20 years ago, was really the turning point between the microphones and Mount Airy. I think it was like early Jan 2003 that Mount Airy, that album came out, and then seven new songs that next year over. How do you think that specifically Mount Airy as a project has evolved during that time? Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of different phases. When I look back at the, like the records, yeah, I think of them as just phases. Some of them kind of funny in hindsight, where I was like, just doing lots of weird compilations and seven inches and trying out this and that, doing kind of novelty souvenirs, making lots of records. I don't know. Yeah, I, I might be the worst person to ask about a perspective <laughs> on my own project. It is, well, it, yeah. In it. It just changes over time as life changes. Yeah, exactly. Coming back to the next few dates in Aotearoa, New Zealand, is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to? I guess this time you're coming to Auckland, Wellington and Dunedin. Have you been, you've been to Auckland before. Where, where did you go on the 2013 dates? I spent a lot of time on the South Island, actually, by myself, driving around a little rental car. That was awesome. It was such a fond memory. I played a show on the West Coast in Barrytown that I think fondly of because it was so small and yeah, like Little Grange Hall. Just the neighbors came over, walked around a lot. I love that. So I'm looking forward to I have a couple of days to do a similar thing like that on the North Island this time. I mean, the entire country has a lot of that nature that's I think similar enough to Washington's state and the Pacific Northwest that it feels, mm -hmm. I guess, I assume that it feels quite familiar to you, but also there's enough difference in just the 
overwhelming bush of this country. <laughs> I know, I wish I had more time. I was looking at things to do to fill those days and I was like, well, if I had like five days, I could do this like epic mountain climb and ba -da -da -da, and bring my like camping stuff. But unfortunately, time is short, like usual. I'm sure that you're always welcome back here if there are any tours in the future. Thank you. I guess just to close out without being too gushy, I'm such an incredibly big fan of your work from the microphones to Mount Erie. So I just kind of wanted to say thank you for making incredible music. I hope that you know how much it's affected so many people across the world. Good, thank you so much. That's really powerful. Yeah, and I guess to close out and get back onto my professional journalist type thing. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing you locally here in Tamaki Makoto. I believe that is on the 1st of October at Wemi Bar again with Black Belt Eagle Scout. I think it's going to be a really awesome show and I think that pretty much everyone that I know who was in the same scene as me is really looking forward to seeing you live. So yeah, great Mahi and we're looking forward to seeing you back here. Thank you. See you soon. That was Phil Elverum from Mount Erie and the Microphones. Again, Mount Erie will be touring Aotearoa with Black Belt Eagle Scout next October. Tickets for their show at Wemi Bar are available from Under the Radar. Get to see you again 
What's a seven-letter word for street fighter? Brawler. Hey, what's happening at Ponsonby Social Club this week? Solka Dialma present a live tribute to Azimuth, followed by DJs Junior and Carisco. And tomorrow, <sighs> DJs Spliff Curtis and Cartier. Same old Ponsonby Social Club, 152 Ponsonby Road. Sometimes even the greenest of thumbs needs a sidekick against pests. So luckily, Naturally Neem is here to help save the day and your veggies. Naturally Neem. Naturally Neem is an effective concentrated pesticide for your garden. Naturally Neem. It's safe for all round food crops and has been carefully created by organic market gardeners in Northland. Naturally Neem. Naturally Neem. Kind on us, kind on the environment. Where are they? Online. What's the web address? Head to naturallyneem.co.nz for more info. The Student Radio Network Awards are back for 2023. We are excited to announce the national awards, including... Te Whiringa Toa 2023. Kia te po mai kia koto na iwi waiata. The SRN Top 10, brought to you by Audio Culture. Te Tohu Hoponga Poro Mario. Favourite EP slash mixtape, brought to you by Recorded Music New Zealand. Te Tohu Kohinga Mario. Favourite album, brought to you by APRA AMPOS NZ. NZ On Air presents the Student Radio Network Awards 2023. Listen in on air or watch online, Saturday, November 4th. Various artists with Francis and Liam. So you can go to the opening for more than just the snacks. You are back on Various Artists with Francis and Liam. Stand Up, Stand Out is an annual competition that nurtures and showcases music and dance talent from secondary schools across Auckland. The winners were announced last weekend at a sold-out Auckland Town Hall, showcasing 26 diverse acts across five categories. Dance, solo instrumental, group vocal, solo vocal and bands. To hear about the competition, its unique beginnings and what it means for Rangatahi, I caught up with Jean Rivers, Auckland Council's Arts and Culture Programmer. Here we are now. To start off with, would you like to tell me what Stand Up, Stand Out is and what it's all about? 
Stand Up Stand Out is the Auckland Council um, delivered program for, um, or essentially a competition for Auckland Secondary School musicians and, and dancers. What does that look like practically? How, how does it take place? Well, it's, it's, it's broken down across five categories. And um, across the month of August and, and into September, we run a series of uh, preliminary heats across Auckland Council Arts um, facilities and um, culminates in a, in a final that, that, that through our partnership with Auckland Live and the Rock Shop, we, we are able to deliver at the Town Hall. I understand that you brought the competition to life on quite a small budget. Do you want to tell me about that process and how you went about doing that? Sure. So it started some 30 years ago on, on, a, on, on the back of students from Tangaroa College who, who advocated for an arts facility in, in Ōtara that later became OMAC. Um, out, out of the formation of OMAC, one of the founding programs was what was to become Stand Up Stand Out. It, it initially started as the Monaco Secondary Schools Performing Arts Competition, and um, it, it's later grown to be, be a regional competition, Auckland wide. And um, it, it was operated on, on really minimal resources and, and support, and but more so around a passion to help help provide a platform for young South Aucklanders. You know, we're, we're, myself and a number of the people that are the project team that are working on it now um, come from from a music background and our, our just our advocacy for for the talent has allowed us to increase the resource dedicated to 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 this platform and you know with with strategic partners like like I said with Auckland Live and the Rock Shop we're able to really enhance the offering for young people and and now I think we're really starting to um, provide a platform or program that that supports the level of talent that's coming through, which is absolute world class. You mentioned the, uh, the competition having roots in Ōtara in South Auckland. How does the competition's relationship with South Auckland's Māori and Pacifica communities help to bring forward talent that perhaps otherwise might not be recognised, if that's fair, uh, fair to say? Yeah, well, I, I think because of its roots and within within Ōtara and, and its origins, culturally or organically, it's been built around the, those the values of of, of Māori and Pacific communities. So therefore, it's it, it's been a space that has been long dedicated to them, but also as a place that is um, that that we try and enhance those cultural values to the point where the students from the area feel your level of safety and ownership it's certainly not exclusive to, to Maori and Pacific or you know obviously its origins within South Auckland made made that demographic I guess the key participants or the majority participants but it's, it's grown since and, it's, and, it's, and I, I think the, 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 the values around Maturanga and uh, Mamakitanga are ingrained in, into the program before I before I came on board, and um, we've only looked to enhance that. And uh, it's generally felt from from participants that have like that are new to OMAC, and whereas like the, the long serving community, long standing communities that have been active participants in it, I think that they just organically feel that that level of safety and and ownership of it. So um, there there are a lot of things that go into sort of contributing as to why, in particular, the Pacifica communities feel that affiliation and 
um, that, that level of safety within it. Um, and, you know, we, we also made efforts to align to the Pacific Music Awards and just to, to, just to, to make sure it's a safe space for our people. How do you find the music industry responds to the talent that the competition showcases? It's perhaps a little less well-known than something like Smoke Free Rock Quest. Yeah, sure. I think... I, I, in the past, it's because it, because of its origins in, in South Auckland, it, and it being geographically sort of predominantly based in South Auckland, it, it probably hasn't hasn't received the the the, well, the attention from from the music sector. I I, I think that the music sector itself has, has has hung itself on 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 Rock Quest, uh, um, hung its head on Rock Quest as as the the, the the predominant pathway for for emerging singer songwriters from from Aotearoa, but I think in more recent times, we you know we've we've certainly been knocking on the door and making sure that um, that they pay attention to to um, the talent that, that that is coming through stand up stand out. Um, I mean, it hasn't been without challenges because of well, a number of reasons. Um, one, the geographical example that, that I mentioned, but also because Stand Up, Stand Out is, is not exclusively about original song songwriting, whereas, whereas Rock Quest has won a national competition and also um, sort of focuses m- more on the songwriter and original composition. Uh, but for being fully aware that, that um, songwriting is, 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 is a, you know, a great and great skill to have, the, the industry as we know, um, also requires session musicians, and you know that there are there are there are songwriters that that need great vocalists, and so although songwriting is one part of of what feeds into the the, the music community and the music sector in this country and, and internationally, um, so do so do so does musicianship, um, and so does you know great vocal ability, and so yeah, there there are a number of reasons, but I think those are those are the prominent ones. I think you know that the longstanding relationship that that. That comes with the music sector and and its association with Rockquest, and also the relative humble beginnings of of, of of a competition raised in South Auckland, raised on very little um, budget, with with very little awareness around it from the sector and and very little support. But um, we're certainly feeling we've made significant inroads in the in the last you know eight years in particular that we're, you know we're really commanding. Um, attention. That's often, yeah, the way uh, with things that are um, organically brought to life. I would like to speak about specifically for the rangatahi who are involved with the competition. What does getting up on stage do for their confidence, um, both in their abilities, but also uh, confidence in being able to step into a career as a musician? Well, I, I, I think I think it's essential that that the, the, the development of, of of young artists is is built around providing like these experiences for them, whether, whether it is live performance um, experience, whether it's in, in the in the recording studio, whether it's you know through through workshops, um, just supported experiences. You know, and and I'll, I'll quote quote one of our judges from this year, um, Sam V, who whose advice to a lot of the students was like time in the saddle. So being able to being able to provide a, a, like an, a, a platform that is safe and supportive, uh, but gives young people um, that that time in the saddle is essential for the development. 
and to do it in an environment where within within their schooling years, which is you know they have the support of their teachers, their peers, um, the music department, and then um, what what stand up stand out and Auckland Council can wrap around that. It goes a long way to for them to to get that experience under their belt in a space that is safe and and ho- hopefully holds them in good stead as they progress into the industry. There's certainly no silver bullet in terms of one plus one equaling two and uh, well you know e- equaling a career in the industry because it's certainly not the case. But if if we can provide them with um, these, these this platform that is um, supportive of of them gaining that that like essential experience is is super crucial to to any young artist development. That was Jean Rivers, Auckland Council Arts and Culture Programmer, speaking with me about the annual Stand Up, Stand Out competition. Big mahi to Jean for speaking with me. This is Herbs with Long Ago. You're on Various Artists.
The spring 2023 edition of Art News Aotearoa is now in stores. New Zealand's leading contemporary art magazine is full of all the art news that you need to get your blossoms blooming. Only 15 bucks from all good art stores or online at artnews.co.nz. Hi, I'm Ken. Hi, Ken. It's been six months since I've listened to Jin. Not gonna lie, I still miss it. The feeling when the primo tunes are pouring out, the smooth grooves, the weird songs have got flute in them. Hey, what's that in his ear? M- my ear? N- what? That's a headphone. No, no, no. This no. guy's hurling some gin right now. No, 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 there's there's nothing there. If this guy's gonna have some gin, I want some too. No, no, you got Everyone loves a bit of gin, and no one's gonna blame you if you take an earful every Tuesday from one till four. Gin plays all the good notes that go down easy with a lingering vibed out aftertaste. The Tuesday 1 to 4 with Gin, thanks to the same old Ponsonby Social Club. Only positive critiques. Honest. Various artists. The Kit is a brand new subscription-based resource facility located on the basement level of Artspace Aotearoa in the former sorting room of the Tamaki Makoto Central Post Office. Much like the sorting room, the kit seeks to sift and connect, making sure skills, support and cohort are enabled post-art school, or as our practitioners seek to deepen their professional capabilities. To hear about the initiative and its open day tomorrow, I caught up with Artspace's Sally McMath. Here we are now. Let's crack into talking about the kit, which is a very exciting new resource. Do you want to start off by just telling me a little bit about what the kit is? So the kit is a subscription-based resource which has been built into the basement level of Artspace Aotearoa. It offers two key services to subscribers who pay off one-off annual subscription fee. Yeah, it's been a development of professional skills labs, one-on-one consultations with our technician to kind of troubleshoot production processes and fabrication. And in addition to that, as a subscriber, you can like rent out the space which has plug-and-play system capacity for seminar and screening, but also seating, tables, so on and so forth. And it's obviously not a a trivial thing to put together something like this, uh, to program it and and to resource it. What need did you see that made you respond to create something like the kit? I suppose, I mean, it's a legacy project. It's been a long time coming to the point where we are now. You could see it as a formalising of things that Artspace Aotearoa has always foregrounded within its programming, which would be volunteer uh, cohort professional development. And kind of the kit has made that accessible and democratic professional skills development for creatives, you could say. Yeah, developed with the intention of kind of addressing the vacancies in an art school curriculum as well when it comes to the skills labs. These skills can kind of sit outside of creative practice taxes, grant writing, but also offering a resource of a workshop to kind of further the development of skills and fabrication and production as well. Interesting that you talked about the, the gaps perhaps in art school education and obviously a lot of our, our listeners are students. So would be interested to know what your hope is for the kit to do in bridging that tricky space between leaving um, an art school or um, studying in creative disciplines and moving into professional art practice or, or into the art world. Yeah, so for a one-off annual subscription fee, a student or recent graduate or individual can have access to nine, well, now 10 skills development labs over the next year. So 
for the small fee of which can be paid in instalments as well, you can have access to a broad range of skills labs kind of delivered by both recent graduates and practicing artists as well as well-established skilled professionals. So we can, for example, this Saturday we've got one with Elon technician Tracy offering digital media for exhibition and then so on and so forth. There's kind of these, these workshops are kind of meant to be there to kind of aid and assist the, the things you lose, the cohort, the support, the access to resources that you lose when you graduate. So, yeah, for a small investment, we hope to produce something that people can find support in. Mm. And do you want to speak um, perhaps a little more specifically about those two things that the kit offers, both the access to professional skills labs and one-on-one cons- uh, consultations? So should we start with professional skills labs? Obviously, you've just mentioned the workshop with Tracy, but, but what else might subscribers be able to access in those labs? I can kind of run through them. We've got, following Tracy's one, we've got one for caring for contemporary art with conservator uh, from Auckland Art Gallery, which is about art handling and materials. Then canvas fabrication, health and safety in the gallery, an introduction to woodworking, dialogues on exhibition making with a couple of curators, introduction to tax and precedence for artists, introduction to casting and language schools for the arts. That one there is about grant writing and creative writing for applications and so on, funding things. Oh, great. So they're very varied labs which target different areas of the the ecosystem that is the art world, is that? Yeah. And should we speak about the one-on-one consultation with your technical team? What what might that look like, practical sense? So, for example, you could say that someone is trying to develop an exhibition as an independent practitioner and they are tasked with formulating the entirety of the exhibition where where it be framing or exhibition supports or hanging any questions queries can be brought to Luke who is our kind of in-house technician who can assist with fabrication but also with like kind of those nitty-gritty questions that you may not have the capacity to produce without a studio yeah and those can be booked in kind of within availability and as they fit kind of with people's demands. Are there practical tools in the space for, for some of that kind of learning? Yeah, so adjacent to the large multi-purpose space that we have, we have a small workshop developed with just like kind of tools and the capacity to kind of assist with small-scale fabrication. And yeah, Luke, I mean, our art-based program has run out of there and yeah, Luke's just kind of built a real beautiful kind of smart working space in there and people who kind of come in and pick his brain about anything they need. If anyone is out there listening uh, and thinks the kit is something they might like to subscribe to or hear a little more about, I understand you have an event happening this weekend where they can go to do that, is that right? Yeah, um, on Saturday from 1.30 till 4 people can join us down in our kit space entrance through the art space Aotearoa car park on East Street and we're going to have some fabrication going down the workshop, audio, visual space kind of hosting a video and some barbecue and some beers and people can kind of ask us that 
ask us questions, the staff that are kind of floating around and kind of see the space for themselves. That was Artspace Aotearoa's Sally McMath speaking with me about The Kit, their brand new subscription-based resource. You are on Various Artists with Francis and Liam. We will shortly be barreling towards uh, the art guide. Um, But for now, here is Deep State with their track, Now That You're Gone. We'll catch you soon.
It's the 95 BFM Art Guide on various artists. It's paintings in that. It is indeed time for the Art Guide. Ramere Friday the 29th of September, which is in fact today. Uh, slideshow Rodeo Comedy Night is on at the Tuning Fork, hosted by Tim Bat and featuring Josh Thompson, Kuda Forrester and more. Tonight and tomorrow, Q Theatre, Shaden Meredith's Waiting is a solo show as a love letter to Shaden's son. Tickets are available from the Q Theatre website. At Basement Theatre tonight and tomorrow, we have Cool Mum and Bunga's Paradise at 6.30pm and 8pm respectively. Also on this evening at Object Space is the spring season opening of works by Rewi, uh, Rewi Thompson, Ming Ranginui and Stevie Hokamoi. Uh, that starts at 6pm, it's free but registration is required. And lastly, for theatre tonight and tomorrow, Mongoose, uh, Mongoose the Musical is on at the Factory Theatre in Onehanga. We covered that show on the sh- uh, we covered that show on the show a couple of weeks back, so you can listen to that uh, in the Bcast if you'd like to learn more and then head along. We go show showception on on Saturday the 30th of September at Artspace tomorrow is the barbecue to hear about the Kit Open Day, the new artist resource running out of their basement starting at 1:30 p.m. and going until 4 p.m. That is at 292 Kalinga Road. Opening tomorrow as well at Depot Artspace on the shore is X Over One by various artists and grounding by Debbie Barber and Rachel Wiggerson. Not us various artists though. There's too many various artists Different around. Different various artists. <laughs> oh no, that's for Sunday. The 1st of October as we covered earlier today, Mount Erie is playing with Black Belt Eagle Scout at Wimby Bar. Ticks are available from Under the Radar and the Volcanic Vinyl Pop-Up is on at Tiny Triumph Devonport from 2.30pm to 530 Lastly on Ratu Tuesday the 3rd of October This Might Get Weird Improv Comedy, Comedy Night is on at The Wine Cellar. If you have anything you'd like to get onto the art guide do feel free to get in touch with us uh, you can email us arts at 95bfm.com that was the 95bfm art guide various artists with francis and liam Ko era te ho takakatoa mō tēnei wiki, ne te mihi ki a koutou katoa e korero mai ki o mō tēnei rā. That's all for us on Various Artists for today. A big thank you to all of those who chatted with us. On my end, Phil Elvrum from the microphones and Mount Airy. Jean Rivers at Auckland Council and Sally, Mc, uh, Sally McMath from Artspace Aotearoa. Nei rau hoki te mihi ki a koutou e whakarongo ana. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, you can listen back to all those chats and more at 95bfm.com. Ka hoki mai mato. Our wiki. Next stop is Land of the Good Groove. You are listening to 95BFM. was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.